we were created, we were put here on earth to feel everything, you know, that we wouldn't have this dynamic and beautiful range of emotions and experiences and expressions if we weren't meant to have them. And the more we're able to tap into that range, the more it expresses itself outwardly in our lives. Welcome to Openly Spoken, the podcast to help you show up, speak out, and be seen. Here you'll get to eavesdrop on connected women's conversations about self-love, confidence, healing, relationships, creativity, and more. I'm your host, Celia Antonio, and I am your guide to getting you grounded into your body, feeling your full spectrum of emotion, and expanding your fullest self-expression. I also pop in here from time to time with solo episodes where I give you tips, tricks, and resources like meditations, visualizations, and all the things to get you grounded, to get you to feel, to get you to alchemize, and to get you to expand and express yourself fully. I'm so grateful that you're here, and I invite you to now put your hands on your heart, take a deep breath, set a tone for how you want to be as you show up for this podcast, take what resonates in this podcast, leave out what doesn't resonate, and take some time to reflect and to contemplate. And if there's anything in the podcast you want to chat about, you can always reach out to me on Instagram at selfexpressbabe. Thank you so much for being here. Now let's get started. Hello, welcome to another episode of Openly Spoken. If it's your first time here, welcome, big welcome and big hugs to you. My name is Celia Antonio. I am your host and I am inviting you today to pull up a seat and get cozy while we prepare to have a discussion about mindfulness. And my guest this week is Ashley Morgan, who goes by her nickname Schlee. She is a mindfulness meditation teacher and mentor, a Vipassana practitioner, a spiritual guide, and the creator of the Art of Loving Awareness Mindfulness Immersion. And Schley helps luminaries, visionaries, and healers embody unwavering mindfulness and compassion so that they can confidently deepen their impact and lend their unique gifts and medicine to creating positive change in the world. Shli provides and facilitates online workshops and courses where she uses a blend of ancient Buddhist and modern practices to bring to life the gift of divine empowerment that resides within every human. And in this conversation, we really got into it. You also got to hear Shli's little background story of her intro into mindfulness, how it started. She really sold me on the Vipassana retreat. I need to look for one and sign up for one. I've never done that before, and it sounds very expansive and very grounding. So yeah, without further ado, let's dive into this week's episode. But it's funny you mentioned um, courage because I was just listening to a masterclass earlier today talking about how when we're here stepping into our work and showing up with our work, it's scary and all of us are scared, but only very few of them are brave. Mm -hmm. And those are the ones that end up sharing their message and having the impact and growing and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, courage, courage for me is, you know, this catalyst for, for action. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we might have an idea or desire, which might precede the courage, but the courage is actually what's needed to take action. And oftentimes the things that we want the most are on the other side of something we're afraid of or uncomfortable, something uncomfortable. And yeah, it takes immense courage to mm-hmm. 
Yeah, do that <laughs> and show up in the world and, and, you know, be in that aligned action, which, you know, is actually what, you know, that action is actually what manifests those things that we really want. And it's, it's cool how, like, when you can really land in that, you can get to a point almost where when you're scared, you're almost like excited or you're almost like, oh, I'm scared of that thing. So let me go in that direction because I know that behind there, there's something for me to like uncover. Like it almost becomes like exciting. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's that edge too, right? Where it's like, maybe before this thing would have been so uncomfortable and we wouldn't have been able to do it. But then as we learn to navigate, you know, that discomfort or um, have this ability to hold it and still do the thing that we want to do in the face of that, mm-hmm. you know, we can expand our edge and then, you know, something bigger or something that we couldn't have conceived before comes along. And, you know, maybe it's scary, but we become a little bit more, yeah, adaptive to that fear and showing up like, you know, Mm -hmm. in in the face of it. Yeah. I'm curious what your most like recent experience of that has been. Because since we've known each other for the last few months, I've seen you like uh, share new spaces and new new things that you're offering. So I would love to hear that yeah. like behind the scenes story. <laughs> well, I would say the overall theme for me um, in in terms of like courage would be like showing up online and just mm-hmm. showing my face and speaking and and you know, being authentic in my experience as a practitioner, as a leader, as a healer. Um, And to not only show up when you're feeling good or you're Mm -hmm. having breakthroughs or, you know, you're feeling like you're channeling or, um, you know, divine insight and stuff like that, which is all really, really beautiful. Um, but I think for me, yeah, my edge is showing up when I'm not feeling so like high vibe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, that's a big one. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, just being honest when you're having an off day or, you know, when you're feeling raw or tender or vulnerable and, um, you know, because, you know, that's, that's the reality of the human experience. And I find that, you know, when I'm looking at other leaders and people Mm -hmm. in this space that I value that in others, that they're not always showing up as like, you know, it's beautiful to see people on fire, you know, it's beautiful Mm -hmm. to see people in their zone of genius, but, um, I love the people who are able to kind of show how they navigate the storm, you know? Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Especially like with this piece of showing up online, like I really love seeing people who have like these really big accounts and they talk about like how they deal with mean comments or like what they do when certain people approach them about their content because that's like a big fear of mine is being canceled (laughs) to feel like I've like worked so hard at like building my Instagram. And I'm at a point right now where I'm like feeling the call to show up in a different way Mm -hmm. and to share like more, more intimate things and share like more like body work with like women accepting their boobs and like to talk about boobs more and stuff like that. So I'm like, I'm going to get canceled. Oh, <laughs> wow. I love that, you know, and, um, you know, I think there's a, there's a difference between showing up in your edge and, you know, a lot of, I've heard a lot of people say like, 
you know, if you're polarizing, if you're triggering, like people are going to, you know, that's how you get the people who really want to be in your space. And like, Mm. I, I agree with that to a certain extent, but I think there's a really, there's a, a nuanced difference between being authentic in your worldview and, you know, possibly having a worldview that um, isn't so talked about than mm-hmm. being intentionally, you know, triggering or polarizing, which, well, maybe not so much polarizing, but I would say more so like triggering because, you know, you may have the best of intentions, but sometimes the impact can be harmful to certain Mm -hmm. people. Um, And yeah, it's just that awareness of, you know, your reality in inside of the very real reality of this world and that there are so many, I guess, points of view and um, ideas of what is right and what is wrong. And um, yeah, I guess the difference is, you know, is just like I was saying before, just knowing your place in the story, because there are very, you know, there's a very real um implication of society's structures and um, institutions that have very real world harmful impacts on people and I often see people like neglecting to see that um, Mm. when they're trying to be like triggering or polarizing and um, yeah and then there's a difference between like taking your empowered view and mm-hmm. saying, this is my perspective. This is my lens. This is what I see in my experience instead mm-hmm. of saying like, this is the way that it is, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So. I want to know more about what you just said about like some people not realizing that certain things are like harmful and then they're like talking about that. What do you mean exactly? I'm curious. Um, yeah, yeah, of course. I would say like that's a great question. Hmm. Trying to remember what like brought this up in me um recently, but it had the texture of neglecting um you know, when people neglect their that people in the world have they don't have access to certain things I see a Mm -hmm. lot of like business coaches when they talk about money and um you know just like showing up online and and building your business in certain ways I feel like um a lot of like accessibility is a little bit neglected where Mm -hmm. people don't really think about how people might have access all over the world and, you know, not everyone might have a computer or, Mm. you know, not everyone might live in the U.S. or live in, you know, have clean water in general. And, uh, yeah, I know that typically, like, this isn't the like that isn't people's audience but I think there is real Mm. value in knowing where you are in the world and you know acknowledging um acknowledging that and and bringing more accessibility into these kind of spaces Mm -hmm. it's like (laughs) Like the the image I get is like going into a food desert and telling everyone you should eat organic produce. Right. When it like yes. doesn't exist there. Right. That's it's that same kind of texture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And so in in online spaces, it's even more important to be self-aware, you know, as a coach and as someone who is a healer, who who does any type of service, and also when we receive the service. So like something I saw recently was, was talking about 
she was talking about how she hates that people will say like I'll help you get 10k months when like they themselves haven't gotten it yet mm-hmm. how there's like that lack of like integrity there and mm-hmm. I I had to respond to her like in a DM and I'm like I'm so glad you're posting about this because I used to have coaches like I remember I had this coach in the very beginning of my business and like one of the first things she helped me with was like saying in a really short way and sexy way of like what you do mm-hmm. and like we landed on I help you make more money in less time and I'm just like I was just like ugh with that and um I remember coming to a coaching call and I was like I don't feel good about telling people how to make more money like I'm not like I'm in debt like my business isn't profitable yet like what is why are we doing this and she just like she's a great coach she does her own things I know now that we weren't in we weren't an energetic match but like the way she approached it was that like oh that's just a mindset thing like just because you didn't achieve it doesn't mean you can't help other people achieve it which I think could be true to some people it's just not the way I operate so yeah, I forget why I bring this up. Something about self-awareness, how like that, like knowing where we are in the world and knowing mm-hmm. like how we operate, I think is so important when we then show up yeah. online because there's a lot of pressure to like be a certain way, act a certain way, post at certain times, post certain type of content, like make sure you have these words and these hashtags and stuff. And right. it just gets a little, like where you get like lost in it. Yeah. Yeah. And hearing you say that just reminds me of like how really there is like all of these strategies and tools and blueprints and frameworks. And yeah, you can get lost in it. And mm-hmm. I think that, you know, hearing you say that and what feels like the key lesson here is like, it has to feel good to you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Your marketing has to feel good to you. And, um, you know, I was recently marketing an offering and it's one of my first offerings. And, you know, I kind of like peeled back the layers and I was like, I don't like, how do I actually feel when I'm showing up in this way? And, and what actually feels right. Mm-hmm. And just coming back to that and checking in and like, what feels good, um, because that's that's what's going to convey as most authentic and mm-hmm. I think yeah helpful helpful for people as well. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, what would you give as like maybe like some sort of practice or tool that people listening could dive into, or maybe even like questions they can ask themselves to check in with this piece of like knowing where they are Mm -hmm. before they show up. Mm. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Well, for me, um, you know, as a, as a mindfulness teacher who comes from, who's taught in the, the lineage of Buddhist practices, I think what, what is essential is finding some kind of anchor, Mm. whether it be Mm -hmm. the breath or some, and breath isn't always accessible to people. Um, Yeah. So if it's not the breath, that's totally normal. (laughs) Um, You have many other options. So some of those things are, um, you know, finding Uh, an area of the body that has a pleasant sensation. So that can be um, oftentimes I, I like to give people the hands and the feet because there's a lot of energy moving there and it's easy to like feel those bodily sensations. Um, And also if the body is not very accessible, which again, totally normal. (laughs) Yeah. Um, There's always sound um, as well. And um you know, sounds are ever present, um, ever changing and, um, a great way to access bodily sensations in the present moment, um, without actually dropping into your body, if that doesn't feel good for you. And the reason why I bring this up is just having that anchor 
is key to bringing yourself into the present moment. Um, you know, the present moment is all that exists. It's ever changing. It's impermanent. Um, and inside of the present moment, there's, there's this immense subtlety of the aliveness of life within your body, within your experience, um, in each moment from moment to moment. And I would say finding that is a great place to start because once you have that ability to, um, just presence yourself, you're able to tap into your inner world, your intuition, your inner knowing, inner clarity, um, with much more ease and beyond ease, you know, again, it's about the subtlety of the presence. And I use the breath as an anchor and you can look at the breath as an example where you have the beginning, middle and end of the breath. You can feel the breath in different parts of your body. You can feel the temperature of your breath, that sort of thing. And just like the breath, all of our earthly experiences also have an arc or different textures. Um, so whether they be thoughts and emotions, um, mm -hmm. bodily sensations, um, they all have, well, they're all impermanent. And also they all have their, um, you know, different, um, yeah, subtleties um, that we're able to dig into because oftentimes when people ask these, themselves these questions, you know, what am I, um, you know, what am I feeling right now? Or, or, um, what's, what's a better question I can go with or what part of me wants to speak right now? Maybe mm -hmm. is a better question. Um, a lot of times and it's totally normal. People might get stuck in their head. <laughs> yeah. And talk about how they think they might feel. <laughs> right. How I think I might feel, the stories, you know, behind it, the um, different attachments behind it, the, um, you know, the history of the whole mm -hmm. thing. And, 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 you know, I think the key here is just dropping into the body with your anchor um, and when we do that, we're literally rewiring our brain to become more regulated. And, and what, again, when we ask these questions, it's more coming from, it's not coming from the mind. It's coming from a deeper place. Yeah. 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 Mm. So let's start by finding your anchor. And then, you know, when we steady ourselves, when we calm ourselves, we, we start to notice, you know, the patterns of the mind. We start to no notice the subtleties in the body, whether they be physical sensations um, or just, you know, the sensations that are attached to emotions or thought patterns, those start to arise. You know, and a lot of people say like, oh, like I try to meditate, but I can't, like I can't stop my mind from going. And that's not the point. It's yeah. noticing, it's noticing exactly. that our mind is going. And can we mm -hmm. name that? And can we say yes to it in the way that we embrace that instead of trying to push it away? Mm -hmm. So... Once we're at that place, then we can start to really allow, you know, fully what's here skillfully and um, ask ourselves those questions. You know, what if this part of me could speak, what would it say? Mm -hmm. And just being open, not, you know, not going in your head and hearing the stories, but, you know, having a real embodied sort of listening from that place, mm -hmm. just noticing whatever comes. Yeah. 
And and I hope that for anyone listening that they can really see that parallel with how earlier we were talking about like that you really connect with people that show up online who like don't only show up when they're like channeling or when they're feeling good, like they're showing up with all of it. And then just now you mentioned like with practicing mindfulness, like you're there to embrace whatever's coming up. And that's why when you can cultivate a practice, like it, it just like that same space of like embracing everything, like that same permission then shows up in your life, no matter what you do. Like if you have like a client call and you get a package and you're like, oh, hold on, let me get up real quick and get the package. Whereas like before you're like, I'm just going to leave that outside. Like I'm not, I'm going to be like professional. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there are things that you'll notice that you're allowing and not making such a big deal. Yeah. And yeah. I'll, I'll give you space. I think you were about to say something. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, you're spot on. And, and, um, you know, I really believe that we were created, we were put here on earth to feel everything. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that we wouldn't have this, um, dynamic and beautiful range of emotions and experiences and expressions if we weren't meant to have them Mm -hmm. and the more we're able to tap into that range the more it expresses itself outwardly in our lives Mm -hmm. yeah that's so beautiful (laughs) (laughs) yeah I agree with you I think we were meant to feel it all because it all gives us a message it all it all like kind of nudges us towards what we're meant to do here and on the flip side like when you look at people's lives who like don't allow themselves to feel certain things like you really see how that limits you when you don't embrace it all yeah you know definitely in in retrospect and in In retrospect you know Mm -hmm. you can see that (laughs) yeah for sure. Speaking of that, I would love to know your like first experience with mindfulness and how like you found your Buddhist practices and how you like how did that journey unfold for you? Yeah. So oftentimes what you get in these types of spaces when people come to heal is because they have experienced trauma in their life Mm. um you know trauma is a it's a full range it's a full range um from big t trauma to um you know hearing a loud noise outside of your window like it all it's it's any sort of like any sort of dysregulation Mm -hmm. that we are are trained not trained, um, that we sort of naturally and organically have from an outside stimulus. Um, And for me, that looked like, uh, you know, from a young age, I had a um, family that was very emotionally dysregulated. And Mm. I had to learn from a very young age how to, I'm also an only child. So I had to learn from a fairly young age how to self-soothe, how Mm. to um, feel better (laughs) um, on my own. And um, I started my healing journey when I was graduating high school and I sort of saw my life going in two directions um, one was just, you know, really not good direction, you know, <laughs> and to be honest, like the, the image that I sort of saw in my head and like, no, like no disrespect to people who like, um, like work, you know, at like grocery stores or retail stores or whatever, like I've been there, I've been there, but the image that I had in my head was, you know, working in retail, for the rest of my life and not doing mm. much more than that. 
Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, maybe just being and the image again that I conjure is just like lonely and sad and, you know, not vibrant. And I, I saw that very clearly at 18. Mm. And, and when you're graduating high school, it's like the whole world is ahead of you. So of course you're sort of thinking about these things. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the other was taking control of my life and disregarding what people have told me. I, I never got good grades in high school. My guidance counselor told me that I would not ever get into my reach school to basically not even try. Oh, geez. And I was always getting in trouble by, by my teachers for not doing homework. I was like that kid until, you know, I sort of realized, I guess it was a little bit before graduating high school until I realized that, you know, I had, I had to take control of my own life. And, um, so that sort of started around that age. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I, you know, became vegetarian and, um, you know, got into moving more and, um, that sort of led me naturally and organically to mindfulness. Mm-hmm. Um, so by the time I was in college, I had done a little bit of reading, um, you know, and like various YouTube videos on meditation and, um, you know, sound bowls were really my thing. Mm, I love me a good sound bath. <laughs> yes, I do too. Um, <laughs> and, I had also started working at a peace retreat center um, just from a friend connection. And, um, you know, within that community, it's a very vibrant, beautiful community. Um, um, A lot of healing happens here. And um, I had a friend suggest to me, um, I had a friend who went on the 10-day Vipassana meditation Mm. retreat who did it and you know sort of knew that um you know I enjoyed meditation and that it would be up my alley so um did a little research went to my closest one and um for those who don't know what the 10-day Vipassana meditation retreat is is um it's taught by the late S.N. Goinka who popularized this technique um, and sort of brought it to the West. And it's all, um, it's a, it's a Donna run um, network, which means it all is run off of donations. Hmm. So it's super accessible wherever you are in life. And for me, you know, I was, um, I had just graduated college. I hadn't really taken action on any career path. It was sort of the perfect time for me to go. Um, And I didn't have a lot of money. Um, And I was still able to go um, and do this and pay what I could. Um, So I went. Oh, and, you know, it is um, it's 10 days of silence, complete silence. They call it noble silence. That means no um, no gesturing, no eye contact. Um, it's a funny dance you do every day in the dining hall. You know? <laughs> you know? I didn't know there was no eye contact too, like no yeah. communication whatsoever. Yeah, nothing. Wow. Um, you do have, um, as a new student, um, you, cause I've done it a couple times since then. And, and mm-hmm. as a first timer versus, you know, when you go as an old student, it's a little bit of a a different experience Mm -hmm. as a first timer um you get called up in small groups to talk to your teacher your Mm. teacher asks very specific questions and you're only allowed to answer those questions um with like a nod or a shake of the head (laughs) it's they usually ask like how's your practice going or like Mm, are you having troubles and like i i forget exactly what they ask you but it's very um it's very concise and um, you do have the opportunity to voice any concerns to your teacher if you have any, and you also have um, sort of like a residential assistant. So like if anything like with your physical needs actually is happening, Mm. 
like you do, you're allowed to like talk to your residential um, Mm -hmm. assistant. Um, And then there's also scheduled times where you can talk to the teacher if you have any questions. So you just go to the sign up sheet. So, but that's the extent of talking. Mm -hmm. You're not allowed journaling, reading, um, no journaling oh geez access to technology yeah it's very um yeah it's very I don't like the word strict but it's very um it's meant to have no distractions from the practice yeah like a big pause (laughs) right and the entire experience is meant to be your practice And yeah, and um, I really, I sort of knew what I was getting myself into, um, but uh, you don't really know until you go. Mm. And um, on on my third day, so they, they teach you two skills. Mm-hmm. first like we talked about earlier is just accessing the breath right and that's where they start and then they go into this technique which to super summarize it is a body scan okay and on the second or third day so they do three days of just breath before they go into the body scan and on the second or third day um and of course I was coming into it with a beginner's mind and there's something so beautiful about the beginner's mind because it's such fertile ground Mm -hmm. and on my second or third day I was able to be focused on my breath for the entire sit which they do three it's three formal sits a day where you have to be in the meditation hall and they're about an hour each so when I say for this entire set I mean, I was with my breath for like an hour and that had never been accessible to me. I didn't even know I could do that. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was a really, it was just a really powerful experience because it was stillness. And I did get that sense of like, ah, I I can quiet the mind and Mm -hmm. like, ah, like this is a safe place to be in too. Mm -hmm. Um, so after that retreat, um, you know, I, I had, um, carpooled up there with, um, they were, I think they were brothers, two brothers who were going to the retreat as well. And on, on the last day, um, you get to talk and you get to see everyone and, you know, one of them told me like, oh, like your, even your eyes are more clearer. And I'm like, oh, thank you. You know, I'm like, <laughs> you know, I don't know if they were just trying to compliment me, but like when I came out of that retreat, like the sound of water trickling in a stream was like, you know, an, a beautiful composition <laughs> and symphony, like, yeah, like, Mm. like the radio like each song that came on the radio you know it was just this sense of like oh like people are so beautiful and creative like everything was just so like my my sense of reality and the texture of life was just expanded in a way that I hadn't seen or experienced before and ever since then I had I've been a devoted practitioner um you know meditating almost every day since then that was 2014 I went and I did that and um yeah it's it's changed my life in a lot of different ways but what's most interesting is just every day it's like the subtleties of change because once you start peeling back the layers and learning how to do this stuff, at first, it's like, you know, this sl- this slower process, you know, it doesn't have to be for each person. It doesn't have to be slow for each person's experience is going to be different. For me, 
my experience was that at first it was slower and you know if I dropped the soap in the shower I'd be like oh that's you stupid but mm. you know and then I'd go huh wait I'm <laughs> talking to myself right now <laughs> and at first it's just like noticing like oh wait you know these little things these little layers that we start peeling back and at first it's a slower process, but what I've noticed now is, you know, these, this like redirection, bringing it back to yourself, bringing it back to the breath, bringing it back to your anchor, um, you're bringing it back to the various tools, uh, mindfulness tools to navigate certain situations. Um, it becomes subtler and faster. Mm. And you know, the, the changes that you see, like happen on a very, like, almost like quantum level. And it's not just like, oh, I feel so good now. Whereas before, like I didn't, it's, it's this more gradual unraveling. Mm -hmm. So I would say, yeah, that's, that was my experience and that's sort of how it's been for me since. <laughs> I think you just sold everyone on going on to going to a Vipassana retreat. Yes. <laughs> Including <laughs> myself. Vipassana. I mean, it, it is so beautiful and it, it has gifted me so much. And, and, you know, mm -hmm. I thought for a long time, you know, they have a, a term in Buddhist tradition called the householder, which is someone who's a practitioner, but, um, you know, that, you know, they're not monks, they, they can marry, they have kids, um, you know, they live everyday lives, but, you know, a cornerstone of their life is this practice. And I very much saw myself as a householder for a very long time. And I didn't think it was possible for me to actually teach this stuff, mm -hmm. um, without becoming a monk. I had, you know, yeah. sort of had this limiting belief that like, I have to go to Thailand and shave my head in order to teach this stuff <laughs> um, or Burma or whatever. But um, yeah, I found myself in a, in a really beautiful um, teacher training and um, it sort of opened this world to me there. It's like, I can gift this to other people as mm -hmm. well too, even if I'm not, you know, a monk. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I love that. Yeah. So that's sort of, it's like my mission and purpose is just to, to bring mindfulness to more people because it really is such a, it's such a foundational skill. And I hear a lot of, you know, in the world of um, manifestation, law of attraction, like business coaching, like embodiment work, like polarity work, like all this stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, at the core of it, you know, especially with embodiment, at the core of it is like dropping in, dropping into the body. Yeah. And how do we, how do we do that? Mm -hmm. It's often skipped. It's like, mm -hmm. oh, oh, just feel it, just feel your body, feel what it feels like. And, you know, dropping into the body isn't really safe for everyone. So having, having that training around what other options are available for people, mm -hmm. um, is so important and um and again it just it comes back like it can just come back to the breath and it's amazing how like how simple but important that mm -hmm. is and just having that like foundational skill um is yeah is integral to all these practices to to everything that is taught in you know those kinds of realms that I had just named before and um I had something else I was going to say about it, but <laughs> lost my train of thought. <laughs> well, that's a good uh, segue then to go into. I like to ask a few questions at the end uh, to all my guests, and then yeah. we'll dive into where to find you online. Okay. Cool. Okay. So the first question is, what does self-love mean to you? Ooh. Self-love is, is this cultivation of 
unwavering non-judgmentalness towards self. Mm. And it, it really is so subtle because we can have these big emotions or these big stories that we're telling telling ourselves. So for example, if there's something that maybe you've regretted in the past, you have this judgment there. Oh, I, sh- I shouldn't have done that. I should have acted a different way. And then there's a layer under that where you're judging the judgment where mm-hmm. you're like, oh, I'm mad at myself for having this judgment or I'm angry at myself for having this judgment. And then can we notice, they call that the second arrow. Can we notice that second arrow? And can we have compassion and the willingness to like open ourselves to that and see, oh, we're we're hurting, we're suffering. And when I say we, I mean all, all the beautiful parts of yourself, but like, that I'm hurting, that I'm suffering. And that when we touch that, that real vulnerable spot within us, there is this natural organic sort of opening to like, I care. I care that I'm suffering. Mm. Mm-hmm. And beyond care, like it, it can start just with that little ounce or that little spark of like, I care that I'm suffering. And then that can turn into like, I have love for these parts of myself because they are suffering. Mm -hmm. And coming back to the intention of just letting yourself feel those things, allow those things, and just opening opening to more of that embodied feeling of love, of meeting that suffering with that love. Non-judgmentally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love that. That was beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. And the next question is, what makes you feel the most grounded? Mm. For me, it's tuning into the body, of course. Mm. Um, But beyond that, it is feeling the whole body as a whole Mm. and not just localizing to one place or just the breath. But noticing the entire body as a system and the aliveness Mm. that's there. And in tandem with that, you know, feeling the gravity of of the earth, of being here on the earth, just whether we're sitting or standing, you know, we typically have some kind, kind of point of contact to something, right? And feeling into that and... And being in this earthly body is, um, you know, my teacher says halfway between heaven and earth (laughs) and just, just feeling that, you know, like we are these like divine creatures that have free will and, you know, this beautiful mind and the ability to experience our place as we move about life and that is so you know divine and and uh i'll use the word godly here and then there's also this real experience of how we are made of the earth we are of the Mm. earth yeah so coming back to that and and coming into that place helps me really feel that you know that divinity and and also earthliness at the same Mm -hmm. time yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that you mentioned um, thinking of the body as a whole system because earlier too in the in the piece of like what does self-love mean to you 
you said first, like we are suffering, like we as in all parts of the body. And I think that's a very like, it's a very like healthy way to kind of separate, like for me, at least it's a healthy way for me to separate myself from when my mind wants something versus when my body wants something and to tell the difference. And like, for example, if, if there's a beautiful, delicious vegan pumpkin pie in my fridge and like my brain is like, I want to eat all of it. <laughs> like I can know that like, okay, that's just the mind and like know that there are all these separate parts and that they work together and like mind has to be on body's side for everything to work harmoniously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I actually, there's something you said the other day that I really loved and resonated with on your story. And it was like, you know, we have our pets and we take mm. care of our pets and we know that, you know, the dog eats at four o'clock and the dog goes out at six o'clock and like, you mm -hmm. know, treating, treating our bodies, um, you know, sort of the way that we do and just like, yeah, having that awareness mm -hmm. and also just to add, you know, just with the suffering piece, um, that, um, that suffering isn't an isolated human experience. It exists mm -hmm. within a world that contains suffering. And it also exists in a world that contains so, so, so much beauty. And, um, you know, to meet that too, with, with knowing that beauty and, and maybe having some sort of resource, right. That could be, um, an image of a bright white light or the sun itself, or, you know, it could even be your pet, um, or someone who you love really dearly. It could even be the memory of a place, or um, the memory of an experience that felt really beautiful mm -hmm. and tapping into that remembrance or also, you know, our future selves, right? We can tap into, or, you know, our heart's highest alignment, right? We can tap into that at any moment as well. Um, and, and that's always accessible in here for us as well. Mm-hmm. I wish that like the most powerful people in the world could understand this because like for for example here in Los Angeles not too far is SpaceX and like Elon Musk is like the richest person <laughs> mm -hmm. and instead of like instead of using that power to see how we can make the world a more mindful place and see how we can honor more of the beauty and see what suffering we're causing in our societies, which this whole thing that I'm bringing up could be a whole nother podcast episode. <laughs> like instead of seeing that, we're then like, let's go to Mars. And what you said earlier about like our bodies being earthly, I think about that all the time. Like from the first moment I heard that like people are planning to, um, colonize mars i was like i'm staying here like even if earth burns like i'll burn with her because i am yeah, her yeah like why would we go somewhere else doesn't make sense to me <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i heard someone or some infographic somewhere like there is no planet b yeah yeah there really isn't but anyways that could be a whole nother topic i know right <laughs> So I want to ask you one more question and then we'll mm -hmm. dive into uh, where to find you online. This is my favorite question. Mm -hmm. What is your favorite part about being a woman? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I just felt like a huge like opening like in my belly when you said that. <laughs> oh, there's so many things. But the first thing that's coming up for me is just like it's this like creative force that we have, you know, like I think like being a woman, like, you know, is so like connected with, um, you know, our cycles, 
um, the moon cycle, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, carrying a womb, mm -hmm. which, you know, in some sort of way, like it's the absence of, um, it is like, it's that space in the body. It physically, it's space in the body. Yeah. And it's empty um, most of our lives. You know, yes, we're not pumping out babies all the time. <laughs> exactly. And it's empty most of our lives. And um, yeah, it's the void. It's the void in which all things are created. Mm. And, and that is just such, uh, such a beautiful aspect of the feminine. And um, that being a woman or a womb carrier that we are innately um generally i'm speaking generalizations that we are generally innately called to the to being being that um creative energy or being the void in which creativity comes from and ideas and so much of that Mm -hmm. um so much of the beauty that just manifests in into the world and yeah that's what came up for me <laughs> beautiful so tell us more about the work that you share how you serve and where people can find you yeah so um i use a combination of um ancient Buddhist practices and modern mindfulness practices and um, some bits of Tantra and part works, parts work um, to bring a holistic, integrated um, teachings of mindfulness and self-compassion um, I have, I am the creator of a six-week mindfulness immersion called The Art of Loving Awareness. Um, I also offer um, different online workshops and courses and practices and experiences um, that you can join in on. Um, and right now I have a free masterclass where I talk about the exact, a little bit of what we talked about today, a little bit of my story, a little bit um, on the exact steps that I've taken to live an embodied mindful life. Um, and within that class, I lead a beautiful um, sort of longing. It's a heart's desire longing practice, mm. which helps you get really clear on your intention, which is so important um, as a spiritual practitioner. Um, to just and to show up devoted to your practices and beyond that to to live mindfully beyond the mat um so i mm -hmm. lead a, a beautiful practice or beyond the cushion as they say <laughs> um so i lead a beautiful practice that helps you get really clear on your intention and um there's also a future self aspect to it in there which also really helps with your intention and um by the time you're listening to this, I'll have um, a resourcing guide, which will help you navigate, um, you know, emotional dysregulation a bit, a bit easier and more skillfully. And um, yeah, a self-compassion guide, which will help you kind of tailor and customize um, how to embody compassion for self and for others um and all beings yeah and you can find it. me on my instagram you can find all these <laughs> things on my instagram at the insightful sage yes and that's all i got that's all i got for you <laughs> yeah so i'll link your instagram below and then whichever other offering we'll we'll see what's in the show notes so whoever's listening go to the show notes there'll be yeah. a mystery surprise there for you <laughs> Yes. <laughs> thank you so much for joining me here today thank you thank you Celia I appreciate you 
Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Openly Spoken. I know that there's an abundance of content online, so I really appreciate you giving me your ears today. If this episode shifted something for you, please share this with a friend and slash or write us a podcast review if you're listening to this on iTunes so that more people can find this. If anything shifted for you from this episode that you want to have a conversation about, I would love to hear from you. Just send me a DM over on Instagram at selfexpressedbabe, and that is in the show notes. Thanks again for tuning in, and I'll see you next time.